For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the themes of the Sabbath. This is part one of the series. Among the material which we're going to cover in this lesson is the following. The Sabbath is a festival of Yahweh. The Sabbath teaches us about our rest in Yeshua the Messiah. Number three, Yahweh promises abundant blessings for celebrating the Sabbath. Number four, non-Jews may celebrate the Sabbath. Number five, the Sabbath is a day of rest and no work should be done. Number six, you are permitted to do good on the Sabbath. Number seven, the Sabbath is the seventh day of creation. Number eight, the Sabbath is the day of the Lord. Number nine, the Sabbath foreshadows the Messianic era. Number ten, the day of the Lord begins the Messianic era. Number eleven, in that day and at that time are idioms for the Messianic era Sabbath. Number 12, the Sabbath is a remembrance of creation. Number 13, the Sabbath is a remembrance of redemption. Number 14, the Sabbath is a remembrance of restoration. Number 15, the Sabbath is linked with sanctification and holiness. Number 16, the Sabbath is linked with marriage. Number 17, the Sabbath is the wedding ring of the covenant vow at Mount Sinai. Number 18, keeping the Sabbath prepares the bride for her wedding. Number 19, the Sabbath foreshadows the promised land. Number 20, the Sabbath is linked with believing the words of Yeshua. And number 21, the Sabbath will be kept during the Messianic era and then for all eternity. That is the subject matter which we're going to be covering in this session. The Sabbath is a festival of Yahweh in Leviticus chapter 23 verses 2 and 3, it is written, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. And talking about the feasts of the Lord, the first feast that is mentioned in Leviticus chapter 23 is the weekly Sabbath. For it says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. 
sin, it is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Since the Sabbath is a feast of the Lord, what is a feast? In Leviticus chapter 23 verse 2, it is the Strong's number 4150 and it is the Hebrew word moed, which means an appointed time or a sacred assembly. Therefore, we understand that celebrating the weekly Sabbath is an appointed time of Yahweh. The Sabbath is a feast of Yahweh. Notice it does not say the Sabbath is a feast of the Jews. It is a feast of Yahweh. Leviticus chapter 23 verse 2 regarding the feast of Yahweh, he said that they are his feasts. So if these are the feasts of Yahweh, who is Yahweh? Traditionally, when we're reading from the Tanakh, or more commonly called the Old Testament, when we read Yahweh, we write in our minds, God the Father. However, the festivals spoken of in Leviticus chapter 23 are fulfilled by Yeshua the Messiah. It is Yeshua who is our Sabbath rest. How can we see that Yeshua is Yahweh? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 3 it says Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Ruach of God calls Yeshua a curse and no man can say that Yeshua is Yahweh except by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals that Yeshua is Yahweh. In Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 which in these verses Paul is making a reference to Isaiah chapter 45 verses 22 and 23 and also the Elenu prayer in traditional Judaism that is recited on the Sabbath. In Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 Paul is making the connection to the Elenu prayer Isaiah 45, 22 and 23 as being fulfilled in Yeshua he writes Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Yeshua every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Yeshua HaMashiach is Yahweh to the glory of God the Father. We can also see how Yeshua is Yahweh by cross-referencing Acts chapter 1 with Zechariah in chapter 14 verses 3 and 4. In Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 12 it is written. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they stood steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Yeshua, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olives. So if he's got to come as you saw him go, and he left from the Mount of Olives, where is he got to return unto? The Mount of Olives. We see this in Zechariah chapter 14 verses 3 and 4 when it says then shall the Lord in Hebrew it's Yahweh then shall Yahweh go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle you know what the rabbis say the day of battle that is being referred to here in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 3 the rabbis teach it's a reference to when Pharaoh and his army died in the Red Sea who does it say did that in Exodus chapter 15 verse 6 it was the right hand who 
who we understand to be Yeshua. So Yahweh's got a fight against those nations is when he fought in the day of battle and his feet will stand that day on the Mount of Olives. Whose feet? The feet of Yahweh. And we understand the one that's got to set his feet down on the Mount of Olives is Yeshua. So Yeshua is Yahweh and the Sabbath is a festival of Yahweh. The Sabbath teaches us about Yeshua in our rest in him. In Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17 it is written, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. So it mentions the annual festivals, the new moon, but it also mentions the Sabbath. And it's telling us that the Sabbath is a shadow of things to come. Paul wrote this letter after the death of Messiah on the tree and after the death of Messiah on the tree he is telling us that the Sabbath has got to teach us about something to come. What is the to come that we are watching for? It is the second coming of Yeshua. The body or the substance of the new moon and the annual holy days and the weekly Sabbath the substance of all of those things teaches us about Messiah and his redemptive work. There is great blessings and deliverance or salvation that comes upon the people of the God of Israel when they keep his Sabbath. In Isaiah chapter 56 verses 1 and 2 it is written, Thus says the Lord, Keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. So he's talking about his salvation that is near and his righteousness that is being revealed. How do we see his deliverance and his righteousness? Blessed is the man that does this and the son of man that lays hold on it that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. So we see the deliverance of Yahweh in our lives whenever we are faithful to keep his commandments which includes the weekly Sabbath. Continuing on in Isaiah in chapter 56 we are told that Yahweh has a great blessing for non-Jews who choose to keep his Sabbath. It is written, Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. See, don't let the stranger say that the Lord has separated me from his people. Who's his people? The nation of Israel. We are not to say that we're separate from the nation of Israel. What does the traditional church teach? We're separate from Israel. And we're told not to say that. But thus says the Lord unto the eunuch that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Notice keeping the Sabbath is choosing the things that pleases the God of Israel and keeping the Sabbath is taking hold of his covenant. Even unto them will I give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than native born sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Continuing on in Isaiah 56 verses 6 through 8. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and takes hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain. What's the holy mountain? It is Mount Zion. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord God which gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet will I gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. No work is to be done 
on the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 10 and in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13 it is written, But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger that is within your gate. Isaiah 58 verse 13 it is written, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and will honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. So while we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, we are permitted to do good on the Sabbath. We see in Mark in chapter 3 how Yeshua healed an individual who had a withered hand on the Sabbath. It is written, and he entered again into the synagogue and there was a man there which had a withered hand and they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him and he says unto the man which had the withered hand stand forth and he said unto them is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil to save life or to kill but they held their peace and when he had looked round about on them with anger being grieved for the hardness of their heart he said unto the man stretch forth your hand and he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. The Sabbath is the seventh day of creation. In Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 it is written, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. The Sabbath is the seventh day. Exodus chapter 20 verses 9 and 10. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger that is within your gate. The seventh day Sabbath is called the day of the Lord. We find this term for the Sabbath in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath the delight the holy of the Lord honorable so the Sabbath is called my holy day the Sabbath is called the holy of the Lord so the Sabbath is the day of the Lord in looking at the seven days of creation we need to understand that it was a prophecy that each day in creation represents 1,000 years of time so so from the time of Adam in the garden until the Messianic era will be 6,000 years, the Messianic era will be 1,000 years, and that will be the end of time as we understand it, then we will enter into a time called eternity. In Psalm chapter 90 verse 4, it says, For a thousand years in your sight are as but as yesterday. A thousand years are likened unto yesterday, when it is past and as a watch in the night. But beloved, in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 8, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day he says don't be ignorant of that in the commentary on the Torah by Moses Nachmanides and giving his 
thought on the creation in Genesis in chapter 1 and then continuing in Genesis chapter 2, he writes, The six days of creation represent all the days of the world, i.e. that its existence will be 6,000 years. For this reason, the rabbis have said, A day of the Holy One, blessed be He, is a thousand years. And that's what we just read from Psalm chapter 90 and verse 4. So the rabbi said, the first 2,000 years, there were desolation in the earth. However, there was the creation of light on the first day corresponding to the thousand years of Adam who was the light of the world or created to be the light of the world and to be the representation and the servant of the God of Israel in the earth, the steward of the God of Israel's creation. The third thousand year period begins when Abraham was 48 years of age. The fourth thousand year period began 72 years after the first temple was built and continued until 172 years after the destruction of the second temple. This is how the rabbis have rendered the time frame. Whether those are the exact years that correspond to each thousand years can be debated, but you have the principle that from Adam to the first century is 4,000 years of time. So from the first century to now, we have two more thousand years of time so we are right now at the end of six thousand years which means we're in the transition into the thousand year period known as the messianic era that is why you see the events that are going on in the earth because we're about to transition from the first six thousand years into the messianic era continuing on it says on the fifth day the water swarmed with living creatures and fowl flying above the earth this was a reference to the fifth thousand year period which began 172 years after the destruction of the second temple. Then the sixth day correspond to the 6,000 year period in the beginning in which the quote unquote beast symbolizing the kingdoms that knew not the God of Israel will rule. This beast that is ruling in our days is seen as being the Roman beast, the Roman exile. The rabbis link Rome with Esau because they say that Rome was founded by the descendant of Esau. Therefore, at the end of days, when the people of the God of Israel are ultimately got to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years, who is Jacob, and his name's being changed to Israel, he's going to have a battle with this beast, which is Esau. So the transition from what has been until the Messianic era is a battle between Jacob and Esau. And then it says how the transition will happen. Nachmanides right, the Redeemer will come, as it is said concerning him, his throne is as the sun before me. This is the son of David who was formed in the image of God. As it is written, and behold, there came with the clouds of heaven one like unto a son of man, and he came even to the ancient of days, and he was brought near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. So Nachmanides saying that that verse in Daniel was speaking about the Redeemer of Israel, the Messiah. Yeshua quoted that verse and said that refers to him. Then the seventh day 
which is the Sabbath, alludes to the world to come, which will be wholly a Sabbath and will bring rest for life everlasting. The seventh-day Sabbath of creation foreshadows the Messianic era. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, and then verse 10, it is written, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So one day is as a thousand years, and then it says, But the day of the Lord. So how long is the day of the Lord? A thousand years. Don't be ignorant. One day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which means we will be caught off guard, just like you're caught off guard when a thief comes in the middle of the night. Notice that the day of the Lord comes in the night. What do we call the night? We call the night the tribulation. So the start of the tribulation is the beginning of the Messianic era, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So why is the earth melting with fervent heat? We call it chemical, biological, and nuclear warfare. So the day the Lord comes in the night with tribulation where there will be chemical, biological, and nuclear warfare. That's why the elements are melting with fervent heat. And the works that are thereon shall be burned up. Each day in creation had an evening and a morning. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 5 it says an evening and morning was the first day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 8 an evening and morning was the second day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 13 and evening and morning was the third day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 19 and evening and morning was the fourth day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 23 and evening and morning was the fifth day. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 and evening and morning was the sixth day. Notice that each day of creation which represents a thousand years of time that each day begins in the evening and ends in the morning. The evening is when darkness comes. So the messianic era begins in the evening as well and we call that evening the tribulation period. Now let's look at the titles for the seventh day Sabbath, which is called the day of the Lord or the Messianic era. And we're going to make a reference to the darkness part of that time. It is called the day of his wrath. It is called the day of darkness and gloominess. It is called the day of destruction and desolation. It's called a day of clouds and thick darkness. It is called a day of trumpet and alarm. It is called a day of trouble. It is called Jacob's trouble. And it's called the day of the Lord's vengeance. So let's look at some scriptures where this description of the day of the Lord, that is the darkness part of the day of the Lord, the tribulation, is described which this darkness and the tribulation begins the messianic era. In Isaiah chapter 13 verse 6 it says how ye for the day of the Lord is at hand and it comes as destruction from the Almighty. Isaiah 13 verse 8 this destruction is described as a woman giving birth and being in pain and they shall be afraid pains and sorrows shall take hold of them they shall be in pain as a woman that travails Zephaniah chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 the great day of the Lord is near it is near and hastens greatly even the voice of the day of the Lord the mighty man shall cry there bitterly that day is a day of wrath a day of trouble and distress a day of wasteness and desolation a day of darkness and gloominess a day of clouds and thick darkness the day of the Lord is also called Jacob's trouble Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 6 and 7 ask ye now and see whether a man does travail with child wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail and all faces are turned into paleness alas for that day is great what day the day of the Lord that day is great so that none is like it it is even the time of Jacob's trouble but he will be saved 
or delivered out of it or through it. During the day of the Lord, we're told that all nations will be gathered against Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 through 3. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and your spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. What happens in the day of the Lord? Verse 2, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, the houses riveled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as he fought in the day of battle. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, the themes of the Sabbath. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.